0: Amen. I can hear the Holy Spirit in here today. It's very nice. Um, You know, y'all are a generous church, and it's been exciting over the past uh, few months. And uh, just to see generosity, even when it's hard to see, I did take uh, breakfast to Cooper Junior High. That was pretty exciting. We also had uh, volunteers go serve at the Wiley Christian Care Center uh, last Saturday. So that's pretty cool. So we are still serving, and I I love that. Because uh, really, I think right now, if you know anything about me, I have a core belief that the church is the solution to every problem in this world. Now, the, the problem with that right now is that much of the church is asleep right now. And so this, this series that we're doing today is really gonna kind of address this, something that I just feel in my spirit that we've been going through Genesis, we're gonna go back to Genesis uh, after this series, but one of the things that I, I just felt the Lord telling me that we need to spend some time in time on is, is talking about where we are as a church, and what God has really called us to. So that's what this series, Called Out, is all about. I saw a, uh, a stat this week that for the first time in the history of the United States, church attendance is below 50%. And uh, that means that most of the people that, uh, that you see out and about in this world, do, or in this country, do not go to any church and probably don't have an anchor of the church, In other words, know the core beliefs. I was talking to a man, uh, this has been a year or two ago, that uh, a friend of mine that I, I had just recently become friends with, and he had no idea some of the foundational things. And, and it was one of the first times I've met someone who, who had never heard of the resurrection. And, I mean, just was a, a guy just like me that I, I just was kind of blown away by this. And, and in this series called out, though, I'm going to talk less about those that are outside of the church because I really want to direct this to those of us who are inside the church, a part of a church, because if we are called to be the solution, and I believe we are, then there are some things we need to understand. And the problem is, is that most of us, even inside the church, most of us that have been going to church for some, for some of us our whole lives, we have deceived ourselves as to what it means to follow Jesus. And, and self-deception, that's, that's something everybody's good at self-deception. I I, I read a stat this week that 94% of all college professors think they have an above average IQ. 94%, which, you know, can't be 94%. But then I saw one that I could really relate to. Do you know that 93% of every driver in the United States thinks they are at any given time among the best drivers on the road at the time? And in fact, in this place, I would say that's probably most of us when we're out there. But the funniest stat is at any point, 93% of drivers think they're the best one on the road, and that the people they're surrounded are below-average drivers. So we—it's we, we, just—it's amazing. Anywhere Daniel goes, everyone's—he wor- just finds the worst drivers, but he's the best. It's just the way that all of us—it it happens to all of us. We just have this knack for deceiving ourselves, and even inside the church, we we kind of do this. And I want to to. Let us understand that when we are called out of something, we are also called into something. And that is a big thing to understand because when we go through and live life as Christians and we look just like everything else, we don't feel as if we stand out, maybe we even want to blend in, understand that there is a fundamental problem with that because Jesus was countercultural. Jesus is counter Cultural, and we have to understand this. I want to just go through a th- couple of things that, that I was thinking about as I was just praying. You know, right now we have a church that for the last year many of us have been in church in our PJs. And the idea, it, it kind of gets comfortable of, you know what, uh, maybe I'll go to, t- to church today. Maybe I'll, I'll read my Bible today. But all of a sudden you can fit in very well in your life and not really have to stand out at any point in your faith. And I just started thinking about who Jesus called us to. What he called us out of is one thing, but what did he call us into? You know that Jesus called his followers to be ready to leave everything for him. He said, you need to be ready to leave your father, your mother, your your brother, your sister, your cat, whatever it is. You've got to be ready to leave those things. But yet most of us, when we think about following Jesus, we don't think about the fact we've been called to at all to put Jesus at the the front of every single thing we do. We were, uh, we've been called to give, if needed, if called for, every dime that we have. Do you understand that? Some of us, we struggle with any generosity, but yet Jesus, he he saw a woman who gave everything. He commended her. He saw a man who who was willing to do, to know just about anything as the scriptures, but yet, what did Jesus say to him? He said, listen, you need to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You need to be generous. But most of us, when we think about following Christ, we're like, well, he didn't call me to that. He didn't call I don't have to do, I don't have to give that much. I don't have to do that much. You know, one follower came up to Jesus, and, and Jesus uh, just simply looked at him and he said, you know, birds have holes and foxes have uh, dens, and, and the Son of Man has no place to, l- to lay his head. In other words, Jesus was saying, listen, if you follow me, just want to make sure you know we're going to be homeless. You're, going to, you're leaving your home, you're leaving your, your loved ones, and you're going to go be homeless with me. And that man probably had to think quite a bit about that decision. I think about this culture right now, and that there's a lot of... Uh, um, a lot that we stake in our identity. And we see it uh, in sexual identity and gender. We see all of these things as well. But understand, and that's inside and outside the church, that all of us have habits. We have things that are just a part of who we are. Jesus called us even to be ready to, to leave and to abandon our identities, our, our, our sexual um, desires and, and agendas as well. In fact, he he, he told a, a woman who, who was caught and said, We know this, go and sin no more, leave this life. Following Jesus is abandoning our, our very identities outside of Christ. And yet, most of us, when we think about following Christ, we don't think about all of the things. Here's the big idea: Jesus called us to change. And many of us, even in the church right now, think, you know what, I finally got this figured out. I've got cruise control on. I, I can do church in my PJs. that doesn't get it any better than that. All of a sudden, I can just, hey, I-, I can just keep doing this and I don't have to change a thing. No one even knows to call me out for my sin because I'm not around people right now. And it is a very dangerous and destructive place right now that I think the church is in compared to where we are called to be. And so that's kind of what this series is about. You know, Jesus said that you need to love your enemies. And by love your enemies, he did not mean you need to be nice to your enemies. He meant you need to serve your enemies. You need to go and find those people that you despise and can't stand. And you need to go and empathize with them. And you need to help them. And your heart needs to be with them. He said, when somebody persecutes you, you need to pray for them. And you don't pray, man, I wish a piano would fall on their head. You think, instead, he said, you're supposed to pray that Father forgive them. That's what he prayed when he was being crucified. He said, you know what? My heart is for them because they are far from God. And, And he was for his enemies. He prayed for their forgiveness, that God forgive them. He wanted to see their hearts turn. But yet, when we look at some of us right now, if we look at our political beliefs or our cultural beliefs, and we've got an in-group and an out-group, we've got identities that we're holding on to, we've got all of these things, and we're inside the church, and we're comfortable not standing out, not doing anything. Jesus called us to go and make disciples of the world. And some of us have said, well, man, I'm glad he gave us this free COVID pass where we don't have to evangelize for a whole year. Isn't that nice of him? That was pretty nice. And that's the way some of us have been living in the church. I'm telling you today, my heart is in this series. This, this idea of the church is to be called out. Now, the word church in Greek, ekklesia, it means gathering, okay? But if you break down this word, it's two words. It's ek and kaleo. Those are the two Greek words. Ek means out, kaleo means to call. If you are in the church, you are called out. You are called out of a culture who who most of us embrace. And so today I want to talk about being called out of a culture. Jesus, when he talked about his uh, disciples, he prayed for them. He said that they should be in the world but not of the world. I'm calling them out of the culture. Now here's the thing that I think about when we are called out of a culture. If you watch TV and you find yourself laughing at every single thing, and you, you find yourself watching every movie and agreeing and loving every single movie. And you find uh, things that are celebrated on Broadway or celebrated uh, in Hollywood, and you find yourself celebrating with them. Or even on the news, if you find yourself agreeing with an entire channel, okay, on the news, no matter which one, a pol- you know, a, a news channel, you should at some point say, you know what, what have I been called out of? This is the culture... What have I been called out of? We need to understand. In fact, when all the racial tension, I read a book by Miles McPherson called The Third Option. And he just pointed out that, you know, as Christians, anytime we struggle with a cultural problem like racism or whatever it is, he said there's a third option. We can be the church. And that's my hope for us when we talk about being called out of culture. I really wanted to spend this, this series is going to be about three great lies I think that we see in our culture that we have been called out of as Christians. But I wanted to first of all just point out the obvious that Whenever we're going to be counterculture, when we're going to follow Jesus, we have to, first of all, feel a weight that I have to be called out of this culture. And most of us have deceived ourselves and would say, you know what, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm different. I, people would know I, I'm, I'm out of it. You know, I, I've, in our group, uh, my connect group, Jenny Baker, she once uh told us about an experience that she had. I think it might be a story someday that uh, she had a a story about how one of our coworkers said, you're a Christian? I didn't even know. And, And just that was a fundamental awakening for Jenny. And she made some changes in her life so that people would know that she was called out, that she was a Christian. But for many of us, we don't understand that to be called out is not where we are right now. So, I want to just go through two couple of things real quick on what it means to be called out. The first thing I want you to know is if you're called out, it means you must leave some things behind. You must leave some things behind. You know, when we read about Jesus calling his disciples, there are several ones. There's uh, Matthew 4 19 and 20. It says, He says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But what I love about this is, He says, Or it says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. There's another story of a, a woman, and this woman was a, a, a sinner. She was uh, living a life that would not honor God, and yet she was trying to sneak around and avoid the, the other women that would go draw water from the well. And so she meets Jesus at the well. And you probably, if, you, if you've read this story before, you know one of the, the most uh, interesting things about the story is what she leaves behind. It says, so the woman left her water jar... And went to the town and told the people, "Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ?" And many people in her town came to follow Jesus, but it's interesting. You see the disciples that they leave their nets and they're fishermen. And so what did the Nets represent? The Nets represented a lot of things. That was their security. That was the way they were going to provide for their kids and their family. That was their, their future, maybe even the legacy that their father had handed down to them. And they said, you know, all these things we're going to leave to follow Jesus. You see, the woman at the well, the the one thing she had is, hey, I can control the time of when I go. I can avoid these people. I can live my life and not be uh, ridiculed, not be uh, called out by anyone. I'll come in the middle of the day when no one is at the well. And yet, when she meets Jesus and says, I'm going to go follow Jesus instead, what does she do? She says, the very purpose I've come here has changed. I'm not here about water anymore. I'm here about Jesus To follow Jesus means we will leave something behind. And so that's one of the first questions I would just ask us is, what are you leaving behind right now to follow Jesus? You know, right now we are in a culture that that opposes the idea that any of us need to change. And and, and we're going to talk about this, but, you know, whoever you are, you should just be accepted the way you are, Okay. And the call of Jesus is, is actually quite different than this. I don't know if you understand this. Anyone can be accepted by Christ, but he does not call us to stay who we are. He does not call us to accept who we are. He calls us to something greater. He calls us to actually give up ourselves. He says even if it means give up your very life, you're going to give up yourself so that you can be called to something greater. I see this outside the church. Of course, we're in a culture that says, you know what, you were born this way. That's who you are. That's fine. You, just, you, you should always be accepted. Anyone who doesn't accept you, they're evil, they're wrong. But you know what I see in the church? I see in the church, I see some of us who just say, you know what, I'm in the church. So I can struggle with sin, and my sins aren't as bad as other people's sins. And you know what, I've been struggling for a while now. And we don't, we don't have this mindset, if you know what, I've been called to, to, to live a life that glorifies God. I've been called to greater things than what I am facing right now. And in fact, there's a word we have for this that I think we've almost forgotten about this year. The word is holiness. You know, right before I walked in, a friend of mine sent me, and it was kind of random. He sent me the number of times that Jesus has been Googled this year versus the number of times porn has been Googled this year. And I'll let you know that uh, they're not even close. They're not even close. You have to understand that even inside the church, we are called to live a life of change. Anytime you enter into a relationship with God... You have to understand you're going to be changed. Now, relationships change us. When I got married, I will let you know I changed, okay? Now, you should never marry someone with the idea that you're going to change them. That is a bad idea. But you should also never enter into a marriage and think, you know what? I am going to never change, know when I first got married I had the the first level of little things you got to change is that I had to change okay I got to start putting the toilet paper I mean the toilet seat down and all that little things like that And, and now I'm to the point where Every morning when I get up and make the bed, I put 115 pillows on the bed, right? And no one ever enters into our bedroom. But yet, for some reason, someone who could care less, uh, you know, growing up in, in college, I guarantee you, I did not make my bed, let alone put one pillow on the bed besides my own. But yet now I find myself, oh, Erica likes these pillows on the bed. She likes to walk in and not see stuff on the floor. So all of a sudden, i become a Somewhat cleaner, she might argue with that. But I, I've had to recognize I've got to change if I'm going to be in this relationship. We have to understand when we are in a relationship with God, when we are pursuing a relationship with God, it's a, it's a call to holiness. This word holiness gets a bad rap, okay? But holiness is how we pursue God. We abandon the old and God makes us new. And, and yet, some of us have this idea that, you know what, I, 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 and again, I'm speaking to people that have been walking with Jesus for a while, and all of a sudden we get to a point where we're like, you know what, I'm, I'm really not working on myself right now. I'm really not working on these sins. I'm really not struggling anymore. You know, I, they're just a part of who I am. We, we, we've kind of given into this. When uh, Moses apo- uh, approached the burning bush, you remember what uh, the burning bush, what God spoke to him and told him to do? He told him to remove what? remove your shoes. You're walking on holy ground. Do you know that whenever the uh, priest would go up the altar, in fact, John Williams and I got to see an altar, uh, an ancient altar, and what they would do is they would make ramps on these altars. You know why they would make ramps on the altar? Because they wanted the priests to be able to slide and glide their feet up the ramp so that they wouldn't expose the bottom of their feet and anything else under their, uh, their little dresses. I can't remember what they call them. <laughs> Sorry. So, but it was, a, it was a matter of holiness. Of, of I don't even want to, to, to dishonor God in any way. I'm not even going to let him see the bottom of my feet. I want to be honorable in front of God. I want to approach God knowing that I know who he is. And I want to be like Him. And so even if He accepts, accepts me now, I want to be holy. I want to pr- pursue Him. I want to be like Him. I want Him to change me. But there's this, this heart issue I see in the church of right now, a lot of us aren't pursuing holiness the way that we should be pursuing holiness. You know, there's things we talk about a lot, pornography or, uh, you know, sexual sins but there's also, there's selfishness, there's pride, there's greed, there's materialism. There, there's all of these things. There's anger, irreverent jokes. There's so many ways in which we could be pursuing holiness that some of us have just written off and said, you know what, this is who I am, or this, you know, I go to church anyway. way, God kind of cleans me when I go there, and then I can go do whatever I want to do. There is a, a holiness that we are called to, that I, I want to really call us back to embracing this idea of God has called me to stand out. The next thing I want to really be clear about as we go into this series is that to be called out, to be called out and to be a part of a church is to be hated and misunderstood. I want us to be very clear if you are a part of a church, you are going to be hated by some people. You will be in some positions where you cannot defend yourself and your beliefs, but you will be hated and misunderstood. You know, right now there's a lot of talk about the right side of history. You know, you really want to hold on to those beliefs, but I'll let you know. As Christians, we are focused on the right side of eternity, not on the right side of history. We are focused on being with our, our Heavenly Father at all costs. And that means we are going to be hated by some people. Jesus, just to be clear, God loves the world. The world hates God. And I say that very, very clearly. The world hates God. Now, it loves its version of God. But the world hates God. And you may say, Joel, that seems a little bit, a little bit, you know, rough. I'm going to fix my mic here. This is what Jesus said. For God so loved the world, God loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son so that whoever, so that anyone who wants him can have everlasting right. Right? God loves the world. This is what Jesus said to his disciples in John 15. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. For I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. I've got a challenge to some of us, when you look at your life, is there anything about your life that the world hates? If your life looks just like everyone else, and if no one has even raised an eyebrow suspicion that you are a Christ follower, is there, I mean, that should be an alarm bell that goes off and says, you know what, I'm, I'm loved by everyone. In fact, some of us love our lives trying to be loved by everyone. When we see right there, Jesus giving us this warning of, listen, you should not be Loved by everyone. Now, Paul goes on and he says it this way: He says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are disconcerned only through, or they because they are or they, they are discerned only through the Spirit. So you will be hated. Jesus said, and Paul says, you will be misunderstood because they cannot understand. You know, there are so many people outside the church that are going to, to misunderstand or misunderstand and that are going to hate us because of our beliefs. And understand, as Christians, I want to be clear. Mm-hmm. We're hated because of our beliefs, not our behavior. Our behavior is to love our enemies. Our behavior should be, without question, the best behavior. We should love, and it should reflect a love of forgiveness and repentance. But understand we are hated. That's, that's, that's a part of this. And one of the pet peeves I see is that inside the church, whenever someone tries to call out someone else or tries to not call them out even, just help them along and call someone out of, of sin into repentance, I will hear some of the, the, the worst just justifications of why we don't have to change. Have you ever heard people say, you know, Jesus didn't judge? Have you ever heard people say that? If you say that to me, the only thing I, I think is, oh, here's somebody who's never read the Bible and has never heard <laughs> what Jesus actually said. And, and all of this to say, we, we, we defend ourselves so that we don't have to change. But understand, and, and some of us do it because we don't want to be hated. We don't want to be misunderstood. And understand, you're going to be hated and misunderstood for your beliefs, and you're, sometimes you're not going to be able to defend them. You're just going to have to understand this is... This is what it's like to be a Christian sometimes. I don't get to sit down with everybody who who thinks I'm wrong and and, and convince them I'm right. Some people are just going to hate me because I've made the decision to follow Christ. And that's hard for some of us. That is so hard for some of us to accept. I saw an example of this this week. There was a news story um, at Lee University in uh, Tennessee. And what happened was, they uh, had a speaker who uh, basically um, was, was speaking and did uh, about some sin issues, but he did not call the the um, church to to repent. And so the the leader of the the president of the university came out and he basically said he said a a he put out a statement that for the last two thousand years you would have said this is a doctrine this is the doctrine of the church. What he said was that we are all sinners. And that no one is righteous, not one. And that all sinners should, should be called to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, he was talking on the, the subject of homosexuality. And so a, a portion of the. But I don't want to focus on the sin. I want to focus on this call to repentance. A focus of or, or a, a large number of people outside the university, and students inside the university who, who call themselves Christians, they put out a statement, and what they said was this. They said that we, have, uh, that we feel that, they said that this is a harmful stance to students, that their mental and emotional health, their physical safety, and their relationship with the college, church, peers, and academic success are now in jeopardy. Basically, what they said is by calling someone to repentance of a sexual sin or of any sin is physical violence against that person. And what I want you to hear is that we live in a culture that is, is coming to eventually tell us, listen, the very fact that you don't accept everyone uh, in their sin, the very fact that you, um, aren't calling, that you are calling people to repent and trust God to heal is eventually going to be seen as as evil. And we have to understand this: that we are not concerned with outside the church. We are called out of those things. So all that, and I know that's kind of a, a heavy message so far, but all that to say this: listen, here's my heart. It's not a, just about what we are called out of. It's what we were called into. And it's so much better what we have been called into once we are in a relationship with God. When you are in a relationship with God, you have been called into something that's so much better than anything that you were called out of. Any struggles, anything that, 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 that has hindered you in the past, God offers us freedom from. You know, there's a, a verse that I, um, I want to um, close us with, and it's just 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 9 and 11. I don't even think, or verse 11, I don't even think it's been on here. He lists us a, a lot of sins that people, you know, that we, we see. But then he says this, And such some of you were. you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. I want you to, re- to, to remember that anytime you are called to stand out and to stand alone for the cause of Christ, it's because you were called to something better than where you were. Anything that you're struggling with, God offers freedom from. Anything, by the blood of Christ, you don't have to be good enough, you don't have to to overcome it yourself, God does it for us. And so here's what we're going to do for the next three weeks, okay? I'm going to go through three lies that I think plague our culture right now. And we're going to call out these lies, but then we're going to talk about what we were called into. The first lie that we're going to talk about next week is that God wants you to be comfortable. That God wants you to be happy and comfortable. Some of us as Christians, we think we're doing it wrong. Here's a, here's a big, uh, here's a truth. If, if you don't understand the lies, if you, if you it, when Christians believe lies about, about Jesus or about what it's like to follow Christ, we find ourselves feeling shame and, and feeling as if we're doing it wrong. You ever felt like you're just doing it wrong? So the first thing we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that it's a lie to think that we're called to comfort. We were called to suffer. And that's not fun to talk about. But We need to talk about it. The next thing we're going to talk about, um, there's a lie that says you should follow your feelings. You should always follow your feelings. But we were called to a standard, and we need to know that standard. And the last thing is something that I see everywhere, and that is that um, we're the good guys. There's a lie that says, hey, we're the church. We're the good guys. Everyone else is the bad guys. Okay? But we need to understand that we were called to a Savior Okay? One of the most destructive things that we, can, that we can believe right now is that we're the good guys and that out there is it's us versus them. Because the truth is that there are two enemies. That's why I love this series, though, is that we're all facing two enemies. We have the enemy without. <laughs> there, there, Satan exists. There is a spiritual battle going on. But we're united in this, in this struggle. And we all have a sinful nature that we're united against. But when we see the lies of culture, when we see that, you know what, it's not going to be easy. Sometimes we're going to suffer. When we see that we're going to have to follow a standard, we can't just make it up as we go. We can't do what's easy for us. But we also see, you know what, But we're united. I'm not in this alone. I'm not the only one that struggles with a sin. I'm not the only one that struggles with my type of sin. We are in this alone. But here's the greatest part is we've got to remember we have a Savior That all of us are in a battle that has already been won. It was won on the cross when Jesus died. And just as we said in the book of Genesis, when God covered the sin of Adam and Eve, Jesus atones for our sin. He covers our sin and he unites us with him. You are united with Christ. You have been called out of your old life and into a new and better life. And so that's ultimately what we need to understand. It's worth standing up for. It's worth being ridiculed. It's worth being misunderstood. It's worth all of these things for us to say, you know what, I'm going to get out of my PJs next week. You know what, I'm going to get out. I'm actually going to risk some things so that I can tell some people about Jesus, so that I can begin to declare who I am and why I'm different from other people. And I'm going to put it all on the name of Christ who saves me. Let's go ahead, and, and I'm going to go ahead. Joey, you can come on up, and we'll close this out. But I really want us to, to begin praying about this next few weeks of this series because I, I believe God has great things for this church. In fact, as a, as a whole, as a church, I want us praying for our location and praying for... I'm going to be pursuing some great options, I think, for our church because we, we need to be meeting together again. We've got to get together. But my heart for you this week is that you'll begin to feel the call of God, the call of Christ. And if there's something you need to leave behind, if there's something you need to abandon, if there's a sin you're struggling with, I hope that you'll begin to say, you know what, I need to pursue holiness. And even though it might be uncomfortable for some people as I start talking about Jesus, as I start inviting people to know the hope that I have in my heart, I'm going to be willing to do this because Jesus called me not just out of something, but into something better, new life in Him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for giving us a way to to, to navigate a a world that just seems like chaos right now. And Lord, even though it's hard to stand out, even though it's hard for us sometimes to say, uh, we're going to be different, we're going to to make decisions, and we're going to stand up for things that right now might not be that popular in our culture. Lord, I pray that you'll give us boldness. That you'll give us the confidence to say, even though it may not be popular, even though I may lose some things because of this decision, whether it's a relationship or a job, Lord, I know you're calling me to stand out for you. And above all, Lord, I want people to know you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.